Blog Talk Radio. fans how the hell are you it's race chat live it's tuesday night Woo! we got a whole lot of stuff to cover in a short time to get there we got special guest tonight colin bell is going to be on he's going to bring a driver on from the uh short track super series uh so uh we're looking forward to that i got taz taylor in the house with me tonight uh, Mr. craig moore will not be in the office today uh glad to have you here taz uh, how are you today, my friend? Not doing bad. How are you down there in the good old Mississippi? Man, we are sweating bullets down here, brother. I am not lying to you. It is hot as Hades already. I mean, yeah, I know y'all, y'all from the upstate New York. Hell, y'all just now got snow off the ground. But uh, down here, uh, we cooking eggs out here on the asphalt. <laughs> We've had some hot days, but we're hitting some uh, raining slumps for this week. So uh, I guess it's nice for a cool thing for a cool down, but at the same time, this rain, rain kind of sucks in a way. <laughs> yeah, that's a big tip for man. Uh, can't not wait tonight to talk uh, to our guest. Nothing to tie the thing, but it's hot on the jet. Hot on the jet. Sorry, Taz. Yeah, we're, we got, uh, yeah, we're we having so, a little bit of a difficulty here at the uh, at, at this the the, the Tomb, Tomb Super Studios. Uh, we'll get this thing straightened out here in just a second, though. Uh, yeah, tell a little bit about the guest that's coming on here in a little bit, and then we'll get right on into the news and stories. 
All right, so at top of the second hour, at the 9 o'clock hour, if you're on the East Coast, if you're in the Central Time Zone, it will be at the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, We'll be joined by the uh, series announcer and a driver from the Bob Hilbert Sportswear Short Track Super Series, Ollie's Bargain Outlet, Cajun Region. Uh, The announcer is Colin Bell, and the driver joining us is Cody Kymig talking with us. To, they'll be talking with us uh, in discussion of the series, how it's growing for this year in comparison to last year. Uh, Cody ran one or two of the races last year before running the Cajun Swing uh, season finale. Um, and then Colin Bell is new to the series, but he seems to be fitting in like a perfect natural from what I've been hearing and whatnot. Um, I've watched a couple of their races so far, and uh, for for guys that normally don't run these cars down south, um, they're, they put on one heck of a show. So uh, we'll get to more discussion of that in about an hour, and we've got a lot to talk about. Man, I cannot wait to get there as well. Uh, um, we've got their phone number set up. All right, so let's get right on into the news, man. St. Louis. Gateway, you know, I said it at the beginning, of, at the end of the show last week, uh, Monday's headlines today. Uh, I think I was right. It looked like it was a success, Taz Taylor. Uh, before we jump off into the, the do's and don'ts of what happened there at the, at the St. Louis track, uh, we raced at two new facilities. Uh, technically not new on either one of them, but basically uh, it was Xfinity at Portland and the Cup cars there in St. Louis at the Gateway Racetrack Worldwide Technologies. Um, that's a big gamble for NASCAR. What do you think? Was it successful, Taz Taylor? I would say it was. Um, it had its drama. It had its entertaining moments. It, I wouldn't call it a giant snooze for sure, but I wouldn't call it the greatest race I've ever seen. But I would never. I would not in the slightest bit, leave this track off the schedule for the future, um, at least for the Cup Series. Uh, I would definitely have another series back there, more than likely trucks, but we'll see what NASCAR dictates and how they plan things out for next year. But I definitely would not not leave the track off the schedule. Oh, okay. You would not leave the track off the schedule. You would, uh, you, you, no, you are, no, no, you're no, down no, no. for another cup. I, I, I would say for the cup level, don't leave it on the schedule somewhere. I mean, like I said, it had its entertaining moments, but it wasn't a complete, it wasn't really a snoozer. It, it was one of those, like, it, it kind of sat in the middle type deal. Um, so I would say, you know, it's one of those tracks that I could, I would be I would be sad if they took it off, but I wouldn't be entirely thrilled that they le- that they left it on. I don't know. I I I thought it was a, one of those middle. I'm like down the middle on this one. Yeah. Um. So I believe it was a success. I believe, uh, and NASCAR's already announced they will be back to St. Louis. Uh, I would like to see this track. You know, uh, stay where it is. I'm not ready to throw it off into a playoff. Uh, situation. I think that we need more short tracks, and uh, we've uh, one that the cars are capable of. It's interesting that you're able to separate the drama line that was uh, created 
versus the actual racing. And I feel like that's kind of what you're going at, Tad. Let's further that a little bit. Because it was definitely so, a lot of drama going on. But as for the actual yeah, racing, I, I would give uh, – go ahead. But I, I'm sure you have your, your, your comments on that. So there was an incident. I somehow missed it when I was watching it between Ross and Hamlin. And it ticked Hamlin off pretty much. Oh, I think Ross got, like, loose or something off the corner side-by-side side with Hamlin and ended up uh, basically putting Hamlin in the wall and screwing him uh, for a good part of the race. Uh, he and Hamlin was ticked off and basically had enough of Ross Chastain and kind of gave Ross Chastain a small taste of his little of his medicine that was overdue. And post-race interview, Ross said, literally admitted that he was driving way too aggressive. And if he wants to be successful in the cup level, he can't really drive the way that he has been. I mean, I can understand from what he's saying, but at the same time, like, you have to play aggressive, though. But you have to, you have to know when to play aggressive, when to not to. And I think Ross is now understanding that, there's times to do it, but there's times to really not do it, especially when it's early on in the race. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, we'll get into the Justin March comments here in just a few minutes. Um, that's the drama side of it. And, and I want to further a little bit on the drama side of it here uh, down, the, down the road here in a few minutes. Um, as for the three-wide, four-wide racing, uh, multi-grooves on the racetrack, I believe we've seen a better race there than what we did at Martinsville this year, without a doubt. Uh, it did not, uh, you know, it's probably, I would rank it definitely above Martinsville and Phoenix, but not as good as, say, what we had at Bristol of August of last year or um, one of the other short trades. Where, where, where did we go? Oh, well, I guess that was kind of a, um, based off of this year's car. You know, it, 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 I, I thought it was a great race. I thought it was multi-groove. I, I felt like it was a good spot. Uh, from all the things that I heard from the people that were there at the racetrack uh, through uh, door bumper clear and the Internet and stuff, look, they put on a great show. They did a lot of, uh, uh, of upkeep in the several months leading up to the race. Remember, this facility has been used uh, for the truck series and Xfinity series for – well, going on 20 years almost. Um, so to see them do those upgrades and, and stuff uh, was uh, to make the fan experience a lot better. I've heard that the that they had a lot of food vendors there. That was a good thing because um, track food's great. But when you have uh, businesses that come in and bring their local foods, man, that 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 can make a world of difference to the fan experience. Uh, I heard the campgrounds were a little bit dry. There wasn't much excitement going on in the campgrounds. Of course, not every racetrack can have a Talladega field. Uh, so, uh, you know, that, that's that's understandable. But uh, between what happened on the racetrack with all the drama, Ricky Stenhouse and Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin and Ross Chastain, um, I, I, I feel like, you know, they went that race went far and beyond the expectations. And I think in this day and age of racing where you can have just a stink show and nobody's happy, uh, to not have so much negativity coming out of this race uh, was definitely a positive for NASCAR. And kudos to them for making the decision early uh, to bring this track back uh, for the Cup schedule again in the 2023 race season. Uh, now, we can get a little bit further off. 
the original so, question being, how did NASCAR fare being at two new uh, facilities with these events? So we have to we have to make our way over to Portland. Um, I'm not sure if you were able to watch that race or not, Taz. Did you did, were you able to catch any uh, there at the Portland? No, I did not, unfortunately. And uh, we were on. I know we were just pretty much finishing up the topic of Shastain with his feuds with uh, Denny Hamlin primarily and Chase Elliott, but I just found this on uh, NASCAR.com that a top NASCAR competition official said Tuesday the sanctioning body would monitor any further developments among Ross Shastain and his rivals, saying officials would step in as needed to prevent the matter from escalating. So essentially, they they're on alert that Hamlin and uh, Chase are going to be going after him, and they're obviously putting their foot down as to uh, they're they're putting their foot down as to how this retaliation is going to happen, and they can understand they have NASCAR officials essentially have to uh, draw the line because obviously you can retaliate, but there's an extent you can do it though. Yeah, well, I tell you what, this getting in front of a race car driver and slowing down, I guarantee you that damn wouldn't have happened in Dale Earnhardt's time because uh, you know what to do in that kind of situation. I think it's the obvious thing to do is to get behind them and turn them. If somebody's in front of you and they're, they're hitting the brakes, you use the old chrome horn. But, uh, you know, Ross Chastain manned up on that and, uh, uh, you know, said he had, he had uh, made a couple of mistakes in the race and, and un- unfortunately had upset people. NASCAR is looking at it almost like, uh, you know, uh, I think Freddie Kraft said that Ross Chastain got punked, y'all. I mean, he got punked, you know. Uh, well, well, uh, he, because, he started like I said. And so do you really want your veteran drivers picking on, you know, a future star? I mean, it's a lot, a lot of animosity there, obviously, already between Ross Chastain and other drivers. Uh, you know what they're jealous of? Uh, freaking they're nobody jealous. comes in and starts winning races, Taz Taylor. That's what they're jealous of. You know, he's got more wins than the face of NASCAR, Chase, the face Chase. He's got more wins. Uh, well, he may be tied with Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin got two wins this year. Has he got two wins already? I think he's yes. got two wins already, right? Yes. So you know, he's tied with uh, he's tied with Denny. Look, uh, you know this this is things are just now heating up on the racetrack, and, and we're going to have incidents, you know. But uh, it was definitely uh, a tough situation. He was kind of in between both the people. He had he had uh, rattled a, a little bit. That was uh, when I restart with uh, Denny Hamlin in front of him and uh, Chase Elliott there behind him. So you know he he was not in a good situation. But look. He's a young guy. He's going to learn. And uh, I, I I like the fact that Justin Marks, his team owner, come out and said, look, this guy's a future champion of the sport, and I stand behind him, and these guys better watch out because as far as I'm concerned, Ross doesn't even owe y'all an apology. I, I stand up for an owner who goes to bat for his players or his team, and uh, that's exactly what Justin Marks did. Yeah, because like I said, I mean – I have nothing against Ross Chastain. I think he's a great driver, great talent, and Justin Marks picked him up at a great time. I just think that I don't I don't mind the driver being aggressive if that's their driving style. I just see it as there's times where you need to be aggressive and there's times where you don't need to be. And I feel like um, when Ross was aggressive during Gateway, it wasn't really or 
I'm used to saying gateway, but now it's the <laughs> worldwide technology raceway, whatever. But, but yeah, Ross in the early portions, I felt like he didn't really need to be aggressive, but you get, he's got to understand when to be and when not to be. And you can be yeah. aggressive from from the from the drop of the green to the race end, but you have to you have to know where the levels are and what points of the race. And I think that's where Ross finally got a kick in the rear end for it. Right. Yep. Um, you know, and Ross has been uh, he's been aggressive all year, t- 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 uh, Taz. And, uh, you know, this is where he come back and bit him a little bit. But, look, uh, I believe Ross has plenty of talent. He's going to get over this. And I'm glad, you know, I'm glad that he's rattling the cages of these older guys. Because guess what? Uh, their time's running out. Even Chase Elliott. Like, he's been around five, six, seven years already. You know, he's, uh, you know, taking another ten years and he's out of the sport. Ross Chastain is the future of the sport. And hey, even, even uh, Kevin Harvick is another one. And, Believe it or not, Chris, after this weekend's racing, if the playoffs were to start today, Eric Almirola makes the cutoff line and Kevin Harvick doesn't. It's amazing. Well, that's where we stand right now uh, with the uh, with the Cup Series points. But, uh, yep, so uh, we, we had that incident. Joey uh, Logano, you know, uh, yes, technically his third win of the season. Uh, Logano got win number two this year. Technically three. That was win number right? two. No, well, win number two. His second points win, but if you want to count the clash, then it'll be three. Right, okay. So, I mean, hey, prime example. He is uh, an early favorite for the championship. Right or wrong. He he could be. Um, I'm not sure if we hit any new tracks or new style of a certain track, but one thing for sure is that we ought to keep uh, Joey Logano on our radar when we go to these new tracks for like the first time or whatever. Because the other the other <laughs> thing last year last year on the Bristol when they did the dirt for the first who won that Logano we went to the uh, L A Coliseum for the Clash who won that Joey Logano. We went to a new place this weekend of Gateway. Who won that? Joey Logano. I mean, there have been other drivers that have won at new facilities, but it seems like Joey Logano's hitting a pattern here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I wonder if that has something to do uh, with the driver, with the car, or just just by pure luck. Um, Um, you know that's that's the that's the question that that, that rises. I, I believe Joey Logano is a serious uh, championship contender. I also believe that he was racing uh, what could be you know uh, the the guy that he has to race all the way to Phoenix, and that's Kyle Busch. Uh, Kyle Busch uh, out of nowhere has started to put together a pretty decent season here. Um, yeah, he's he's not under the radar, or is or should he be on people's periscopes? Oh, you shouldn't. You should never uh, put Kyle Busch off your radar. Never ever, because if you do, he's going to make you pay for it. We all know this. I, I mean, look at look at the one season where it took him 
what was it? We got into the middle of the round of 12 playoffs or whatever when he had no wins and when he got, when we got into the round of 12 and he was no longer um, a playoff contender or whatever, he, uh, he got his win that year. And we literally were like, wow, he hasn't won. But then when it came to race winning picks, we're all like, he ain't going to win. We're, we're sleeping on him. And when we did sleep on him, when it really counted, he made us pay for it that uh, drivers need to sort it out. Uh, boys have had a continues on, as we found an article that uh, kind of that, that furthermore is the, that uh, uh, NASCAR is not really going to do much about the situation between Ross Chastain, Chase Elliott, and uh, Denny Hamlin as well. So uh, I like the continued boys have added support. Uh, I believe that it is up to the drivers to police themselves. Uh, it has worked in the past. They have taken drivers but, like Ernie Irvin to the side and said, "Look, you know, you're going to have to race us the right way, or you're going to be uh, you're going to be the one in the pits." Um, and I, I feel like that's probably the best medicine for anybody is to know that your competitors well, are going to keep well, you they, under leash. They are. Um, they will. They did say they will step in if need to be, but they they will. They're essentially going to monitor it. They're they'll let. Um, They'll let the retaliations and stuff happen, but if it gets to be a little bit much, then they will step in and um, I guess they're going to have like, you know, drive, like a driver sit down meeting and whatever that they usually do post-race. You know, as we keep the subject of rivalry, I always felt like the Joey Logano-Kyle Bush rivalry could have been, what, what could have been between those two? Because obviously – uh, Joey Logano has a lot of respect for Kyle Busch. He raced in the team that Kyle Busch raced for. Um, you know, we don't know what type of teammate Kyle Busch is because we don't ever hear from the other drivers. But I can tell you a lot of instances where Joey and, and Kyle Busch have had to race each other. And for the most part, uh, you know, it seems to be that they kind of had a, have a, a decent amount of respect for each other because we haven't heard, or at least in, in my thoughts of remembering, I, I can't remember too many times of them two tussling. But think about the rivalry that might have been between those two drivers in different situations. Um, and, uh, you know, you look at where they are now. I don't want NASCAR to step on another rivalry. In other words, if Ross Chastain's out here pissing everybody off, well, I mean, it's, it's going to create something uh, that we have to talk about on Tuesday night. And so I don't, I'm not all for NASCAR getting in and policing and uh, holding, uh, you know, uh, a judgment against one driver based off of something. We know when it's extreme. We know when it's uncalled for. NASCAR didn't penalize Chase Elliott for taking a win from Kevin Harvick. So they can't come in and take uh, take anything from Denny Hamlin uh, for, uh, for, for uh, slowing Ross Chastain down. And I believe the reason why Denny Hamlin did that is based off of the way that Chase Elliott handled himself uh, at Bristol. Um, I want rivalries between these guys. Trust me, Taz Taylor. It makes our job so much easier when these guys don't get along and we have something to talk about. So if NASCAR can continue just doing what they're doing and stick to the policy, boys have at it. In a situation where Kyle Busch goes out and runs Ron Hornaday into the fence at Texas in the trucks, that's the reason for suspension. When you have when you have uh, Matt, uh, Matt Kenseth running Joey Logano up into the wall at Martinsville, that's 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 understandable. That's awesome. But when these guys are out there just battling each other and beating on each other's doors 
And uh, sometimes it gets a little bit hairy. Sometimes somebody gets their feelings hurt. So be it. You know, that's just that's that's just the way that uh, that racing is. And I don't want to take that out of stock car racing. That is the difference in stock car racing uh, versus uh, many of these other type style racing. But just uh, today or yesterday, I read at the Isle of Man, which uh, if anybody's familiar with that, that is the motorcycle race um, every year. There's always uh, you know, deaths. There's always people that don't go home uh, from that event, and that's that's part of the lure to the island, man. It's of course one of the situations you can't even get live feed in America on that race because you know they they just don't want the uh, liability behind it because more than likely somebody's going to get killed. Thank God we don't have that happen every day in NASCAR, but we've had a couple of hits already this year. Um, speaking on the rivalry side, I think that we've kind of covered all the bases. Let's get into the safety aspect of it. And, and as we talked last week about uh, uh, Chris Busher, his wreck at the, uh, at the uh, Coca-Cola 600, um, we noticed that the car didn't really tear away. It kind of was all intact. Well, um, once again, this week, I believe Kevin Harvick, was it, that, that nailed the wall, had a slow time getting out of the car. Uh, it was a very, very hard impact. Um, I know Carson Hosevar took a hard hit in the truck race. That was on the truck actually, side. Yeah. Yeah. He, he took a hard um, hit, and I guess he needed help getting out of the truck because the impact was that hard. I haven't heard any medical updates as to him, um, but I know he said he was waiting on a specialist to give a full detail as to what's going on, if he can still race, um, if he's out and if and how long if he is out so well as, as we connect the rivalry and the safety of these cars what i want to point out is there's a there's a line that you have to draw you don't put somebody in the wall at daytona or talladega you don't put somebody in the wall at 200 mile an hour racetracks obviously this racetrack was big enough uh to rattle some drivers uh being the hard hits that they took um, it's, it'll be interesting to know what the G-forces were on that. But the Carson Hosevar incident, that was a freak incident. And from my understanding, he took the window net down past Taylor, but he was not okay. Like, he, he needed medical attention. Well, that's, that's what they try to teach these young drivers is, you know, if you're, if you're hurt, don't drop the, the, the window net. That way the track officials can get to you first, right? So they had three mangled trucks down there, and Car- Carson Hosevar had dropped his window net. Uh, he was screaming into his microphone, but unfortunately, I believe in the collision of the wreck, uh, he somehow got disconnected from his crew uh, on the uh, over the airwaves, and uh, so um, you know uh, nobody could hear him screaming for help. Um, obviously, I believe reports are that he may have a broken foot that he sustained in that uh, in that truck crash, which we very rarely hear people getting hurt in the truck series. Um, just shows the, the type of impact that, uh, that, that that was relevant there at the racetrack. The high speed, you know, it, it's bound to happen, and it did, unfortunately, with Carson, Carson Hosevar. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Like I said, I haven't seen any uh, official medical updates from him. I know last I heard... Uh, he was waiting on um, seeing a specialist and see what the condition was and 
if he's out, what's the timeline look like? Or is he able to race, well, needs to wear, like, a certain brace or whatever? But it's hard to say. And uh, whatever whatever he sustained, I hope it's a speedy recovery. And uh, obviously we don't wish or want these things to happen. But it's racing that, unfortunately, um, well, not just in racing, just in sports in general, that, you know, you take – you take a risk in doing something you enjoy doing, and unfortunately, this is one of the things you you risk yourself for. Yeah, exactly, exactly, Dad Taylor. It is a risk that these drivers take every time they buckle into a race car. Did we lose you? All right, well, uh, Chris is having a small minor issue, but uh, we'll try to hit up on the the truck series, as we were just briefly uh, talking about. They also raced at Gateway as well, and what... and we had the winner of Corey Heim piloting the KBM Motorsports 51 truck. Uh, he did take the win. A uh, young guy uh, who I don't think he's a full-time driver, but I believe he runs more in the ARCA series. Miss Lee, if I'm wrong, can you correct me on that, please? Um, but he... But he he got his win for the season. Um, Stage one ended up with Chandler Smith, Corey Heim, John Hunter Nemechek, Zane Smith, Stuart Friesen, the top five, Time of Jesse, Grant Enfinger, Christian Eckes, Matt Crafton, Colby Howard, the top ten. Stage two saw Ben Rhodes and Matt Crafton um, as the top two, so Thorsport one, two. While Derek Krause, Chase Purdy, and Austin Wayne self the top five, Carson Hosevar in sixth, Deacon seventh, Corey Heim eighth, Stuart Friesen ninth, and Zane Smith the top ten. And then in the race itself, Corey Heim won the win, Christian Eckes, Chandler Smith, Stuart Friesen, Johnny Sauter the top five, Matt Benedetto with a top ten finish. A few finishes in sixth. Derek Krause, Ben Rhodes, Zane Smith, and Chase Purdy the top ten over at Gateway, that was Saturday early afternoon for their race, and over Xfinity for Portland, I did not get to see the race itself, unfortunately, as we were uh, hitting a touch on that. Uh, Ty Gibbs with the with the stage one win over Austin Hill, Connor Mostak, Daniel Hemrick, Brett Moffitt, Alex LeBay. Noah Gregson, Landon Castle, Brandon Jones, and Justin Allgaier, the top 10. In Stage 2, Myatt Snyder sneaks in the stage win over Andy Lally. Uh, Austin Hill with another top three stage finish. Landon Castle, fourth. Josh Berry, the top five. Anthony Alfredo, Justin Allgaier, A.J. Allmendinger, Sheldon Creed, and Jade Buford, the top 10 from Stage 2. As for the race, A.J. Allmendinger with the win. Myatt Snyder uh, sneaks in for a second after a Stage 2 win. Austin Hill, who was top three, uh, was a top three car all race long, finishes in third. 
Josh Perry and Justin Allgaier round out your top five. Daniel Hemrick, Ty Gibbs, J.J. Yaley in the uh, MBM Motorsport 66 uh, with a top ten finish, finishing in eighth. Noah Gregson, ninth, and Alex LeBay the top ten. No surprise about Alex LeBay uh, finishing as well as he did on a road course, being that Alex LeBay is a is a veteran in the NASCAR Pinty Series up in Canada. And they primarily run short tracks and road course, road course and street courses. And so, again, no surprise to see Alex LeBay finishing and running as well as he did. And I believe we do have Chris back. Chris, do we got you back, buddy? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe we don't have him quite yet. Yep, I'm back. I'm back. I'm sorry. Oh, there we go. Yeah, over on the studio side of it. Uh, but yeah, so uh, um, AJ AJ Allmendinger, of course, uh, had a great weekend. Taz Taylor. I don't know if you covered that while I was gone. Uh, but uh, you know, it's something else when you can wreck it before the race even starts. And uh, find yourself in victory lane there at the end of the race. Of course, there wasn't much left of the car uh, in victory lane. If anybody's seen that, uh, he, he uh, definitely earned. It could have been the biggest comeback ever in racing. Uh, I don't quite can't think it, we can compare it to maybe what Earnhardt did back in the day. But uh, uh, it definitely have come back from three laps down in Charlotte, but uh, it definitely uh, AJ Allmendinger proved his worth, and uh, and then flew over to uh, I believe Gateway and had a top ten finish there. Yeah, he as I was saying for the what I was going through the results for the two stages and obviously the race and AJ Allmendinger was not even in the top ten picture for stage one. Then when you look at stage two and three for stage two, he peaked into the top 10 and then obviously got the win when it was all said and done. Like you said, he's proved, he's proved his worth. And I honestly hope they let him race at least one season up in the cup level full time, just to see if he, if he can really be a, a, a cup contender for sure. I believe he can, especially on the road courses. Cause obviously he, he uh, he won on the Indy Road Course last year, but I mean, obviously it's in college hands, and where and of course Almendinger kind of controls what he wants to do with his career and stuff. But um, I think I think where Almendinger is sitting right now is a great spot for him. Um, obviously, having uh, Justin Haley be full-time and colleague trying to make him like the primary guy um, is, is not a bad decision at all. I mean, young guy, you want to, you want to build your team and identity within a series and you have to, uh, you have to trust in a young guy to start things off. And I think Justin Haley wasn't a bad move, but if I were Haley, I would probably be, I'd be I'd be a bit worried, not very worried, because I want to see where Noah Gregson goes, and I have a good feeling Gregson might be taking a full time ride with Colley. 
if he doesn't see an Xfinity. That's a good that's a good prediction there, uh, Taz Taylor. It'll be interesting to see. I'm not sure if Justin Haley's going to be racing for a job this year, uh, but Noah Gregson. I mean, he's knocking on the door. He's putting together a very successful uh, Xfinity career, um, and uh, I think you know, based off of what we've seen stat wise from other drivers, he's definitely uh, deserves a, a shot there to go Cup racing and. You know, as you said with A.J. Allmendinger, you know, it's almost a full house already over there at College Racing. But I'd like to see A.J. Allmendinger as well get the opportunity to run a full-time uh, cup uh, schedule. But may that, that may not be with College Racing, unfortunately, uh, given the opportunity. Whether A.J. would take that uh, chance to maybe not be at a top market team, I'm not sure if he would be willing to do that uh, because, uh, you know, obviously he has a – he has a – you know, a special relationship with those guys and Mike Rice and them over at Colleague Racing. But uh, Noah Gregson is definitely knocking on the door. Somebody better be worried in the Cup Series uh, that this kid's coming. And uh, he's not the only one coming. Uh, Ty Gibbs is uh, knocking on the door as well. And Ty got himself in a little bit of trouble this weekend. Did he? Re- uh, oh, yeah. He yeah, well, you yeah. He took stage one, and then um, we never saw anything much of him again. Well, that's because of an incident, I believe, with Jesse Ouija. Uh Of course, he wrecked Noah Gregson, and uh, that wasn't uh, wasn't very smart of Ty Dillon to do that. But Noah Gregson did not have to retaliate against him. Uh, Jesse Ouija, something happened under caution lap. And uh, Ouija, uh took Ty Gibbs and turned him around, and uh, that was kind of it. Uh, for the rest of the evening, for uh, for for Ty, but uh, I, I'm sitting here and I, I know that we've never really jacked too much on uh, uh, Kyle Petty and and Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Chase Elliott and all these other drivers that are second, third generation drivers. I'm just wondering why people get so upset when you mention the name Ty Gibbs. Maybe because he's basically given the golden spoon and not, I mean, yeah, he's in fast equipment and is running up front with it, but I mean, before that, what, his success was coming out of Grandpa's money. That's how I see it. He didn't, uh, I feel like a lot of the drivers are in the they're in the main series now, regardless of it's trucks, Xfinity, or Cup. Um, I feel like a lot of the drivers came through based off of talent, and he was basically given the golden, the golden spoon and saying, "Here you go." The old golden spoon theory, and and that's that's really a tough one to accept these days, knowing that most racers are, you know, they, I mean, they've had to. Uh, uh, you know, somehow be bottle fed uh, their their chance to be in the Cup Series or in NASCAR. There's you know it's a lot of money that it requires uh, to get these drivers, but it seems like the new generation, excluding Chase Elliott, be Austin Dillon or Ty you know Ty Dillon or, or Ty Gibbs. Those guys from the word go, everybody seems to get their panties in the wad over uh, them them getting an opportunity to race. Ty Gibbs has shown a lot of progress. Um, the, the kid's really talented. 
Um, whether or not he's cup talented, I, I'm not sure. You know, I think that it's a totally different ball game there. Um, and, it, and it's not just off of, you know, who the name he is. Obviously, if that was the case, Austin Dillon would be a lot better racer uh, than what he is. And we've seen Austin Dillon with, you know, pretty good success there in the uh, Xfinity Series and Truck Series as well. That has not very much carried over uh, to the cup side. So, um, I think a lot of people are just writing gives off and they're saying that, you know, he's uh he's daddy's money or grandpa's money and and you know, they they have uh you know, something against him. But I'm asking Chase Elliott fans, you know, how 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 can you how can you be judgmental to that, right? I mean, you know <laughs> uh, Chase Elliott is beloved in this sport and uh, he is the true definition of daddy's money. Well, Miss Lee has been saying. Nobody um, else has, nobody else has a Kim folk named Million Dollar Bill, right? <laughs> well, Miss Lee has been saying because she's yelling at us for not reading our messages. Sorry, and sorry about that. But uh, Dinger has benefited from supportive calling. That team holds nothing back. Dinger benefits from being senior, but also from his teammates. Very true on that one. Uh, Dinger ain't leaving college. I hope he doesn't. I hope he ends his career with them, actually. Um, and then she also puts in, we have, in caps, jabbed at the Dill boys, meaning Austin and Ty Dillon. Um, but Gibbs? Yeah, Logano got, Logano got, well, I'm not going to say this word, for daddy's money, too. Um, but Gibbs is not ready for Cup yet. I agree. Gibbs is not ready for Cup. And I don't see him as a front runner for a Gibbs ride next year, regardless if Gibbs uh, secures Kyle Busch for another year or Truex for another year. Because um, right now I don't see Hamlin leaving Gibbs at this time. I don't see uh, Bell leaving Gibbs. So right now it's coming down to uh, Kyle Busch and Truex next year. For, as for possible open rides, we can't guarantee anything because we don't know what's going to happen. We just got to go off of what reports and rumors are happening. That's all we got. But hey, get things ready for tough things, Martin Truex. What's that? Being that the, it's interesting that you mentioned Martin Truex because we're you know hanging on a limb right now of whether or not this guy's going to come back uh, and, and race another season obviously it must be in a good position to not have to worry about sponsorships and i believe johnny morris will stick behind uh uh, martin truix uh, for the rest of the year but uh you know being this late in the game i i mean if martin truix were to retire at the end of the season i i feel and taz you may feel this way or you may not i feel like joe gibbs is going to go back to a three-car operation he very well could be, but I don't see it happening because if he goes back to the three-car operation, what does that leave 2311 in a sense, too? Um, the availability to possibly rent uh, uh, the uh, the charter to add a third team uh, to his organization. Uh, of course, that would just give him a year to be able to do that, Uh being that they have to return the charter back. If Joe Gibbs doesn't go to a three-car operation, then I would not be surprised one bit to see him reach out and get one of his former 
uh, development drivers over back over to Joe Gibbs Racing, and that being a name that you mentioned earlier of Noah Gregson. It could possibly be Tyler Reddick as well, but I believe Tyler Reddick is signed through next year. Uh, but if I was building if I was building any organization or looking to sign any any driver right now, I believe Tyler Reddick would be the first on my radar, and then I would go. Uh, from there, but Noah Gregson uh, could possibly fit in there at at Joe Gibbs Racing in the number 19 car, based off of he already has a Bass Pro Shop sponsorship, right? I mean, Johnny Morris uh, could pull some strings and be like, "Hey, look, uh, I want to keep my sponsorship here at Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, but, uh, we're going, you know, I want you to 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 you know put uh, Noah Gregson in as a full time driver. Uh, I don't think that Noah has any place to go." Uh, in one of the upper salons of Chevy. I think that's the whole reason why he's running another full season uh, in the Xfinity Series and has been allowed to go uh, to a part-time basis with a colleague in Beard Racing. Um, Obviously, if he gets in about 18 races this year, look, that's going to be, you know, he's going to be primed for a cup, a full season of cup next year. And, uh, you know, I would not be surprised to see Joe Gibbs go out and get one of his drivers that he developed several years ago back in his organization. Well, one it won't that, be William Byron, and I think I think that the article that I read where Joe Gibbs was, uh, um, you know, a little bit – when people started questioning whether or not Christopher Bell uh, could be the odd man out, I think uh, Joe Gibbs kind of put that to rest when he admitted that there's been some drivers that he's already had to let go that, he, that he's not too – uh, happy about having to. Or it could even be a return to the Eric Jones. Eric Jones. I mean, my God, look at the season that he's put together down there at Richard Petty Motorsports, or uh, now, uh, what's it called? Uh, Petty GMS Motorsports. Yeah, Eric Jones could too. I feel like, in a sense, Gibbs could be shooting himself in the foot right now with Eric Jones, but I mean, I kind of feel like Jones kind of got the loose end of the stick and I'm hoping to God that Christopher Bell wasn't given that same deal too, because I I believe that Jones and Bell are great young talents, um, and I just feel like Jones might have gotten the the crappy end of the stick, and I'm hoping Bell's not in that same foot too, because for the longest time the 20 car was the weakest Joe Gibbs car, and you can and people can literally say. It could be the driver, but I don't think it's the driver because even Matt Kenseth, I mean, that could be argued as for his age, but even Matt Kenseth struggled with the 20 car at times. When we talk about Joe Gibbs, what what are the three cars we're talking about? We're talking about Hamlin, Truex, or uh, Hamlin, Truex, or Kyle Busch. And when Truex wasn't even in the 19 car, it was Carl Edwards. It, if you take away Suarez, but Suarez was really given the crap end of the stick. So let's be honest. Of course, he would, he had no no opportunity at all at Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, one season, and uh, you know he was rushed through the rookie ranks. So uh, he he only had I believe two seasons in Xfinity, uh, straight out of NASCAR Mexico. So um, you know Joe Gibbs over the years he's had drivers like Noah Gregson. He's given the start to guys. Uh, William Byron, um, man, uh, Eric Jones, Daniel Suarez. Uh, we could go on and on and on uh, of drivers that have been through the developmental program there at Joe Gibbs Racing. So, uh, 
you know, we've got a lot to look forward to in the next couple of weeks as, uh, you know, basically silly season uh, begins and some people are going to, you know, let us know where their racing career might uh, come to an end at, you know, if Martin Truick returns next year, uh, you know, that may be his last season. Obviously, as when drivers start talking about retirement, you have to know that it's not uh, too far down the road. So uh, it's definitely one to keep our eye on. There's several drivers in the Xfinity Series and Truck Series uh, that are looking for their opportunity to come up to the cup level. Uh, obviously, Zane Smith got his uh, cup, had his cup debut this weekend uh, and did fairly well. Also, man, shout out to Michael McDowell. Michael McDowell showed up and showed out at St. Louis. He he led more laps at St. Louis at Worldwide Technology Raceway uh, than he has in his entire career. Uh, so he had a, a heck of a run going there. So a shout out to Front Row Motorsports. Uh, but also, uh, we get back over to the Zane, Zane Smith, uh, you know, as he's related to uh, the Front Row Motorsports. Uh, you, you know, he's, uh, he drives for Front Row Motorsports there in the truck series as a full-time driver. Actually got to step into the 17 of Chris Busher because he had COVID, put together a pretty solid run. Uh, Zane Smith, are we looking at a potential cup debut soon from him? I would say so. Um the question's going to be where in the four camps do you put them? But as Miss Lee just chimed in about him, he needs a year or two in Xfinity before looking at Cup. And if you want to develop Zane Smith the right way, uh, knowing Ford, I believe that's the route they're going to have to go, um, especially with Stuart Haas when they're struggling right now as it is, who's basically, I mean, right now Penske's fine for a number of years because you have Ryan Blaney and Cindric that have a career ahead. So really you're only going to have to think about Logano when it comes to the ne- maybe in the next five years, I would say. And as far as Stuart Haas, I mean, you have Almirola retiring this year. Harvick's going to be hanging up the gloves and boots within the next few years. Um, if you're looking at Cole Custer, like where has he been? And Chase Briscoe, I mean, he's starting to really come into fruition on his own. So, really, there's two, there's two, possibly three rides that are going to be opening up. And if I were Ford, I would put Zane Smith in Xfinity while he's being hot. Yeah. So, uh, the radar is on Zane Smith. And, uh, you know, it's good to see Ford with some developmental drivers. Uh, of course, uh Ford kind of come in a few years ago, and they picked, uh, you know, Ford was not in a good place after Carl Edwards, Matt Kenseth, the exit of these drivers. Uh, It was a big benefit when Stuart Haas become a Ford stable uh, along with Penske. Uh, But when they picked Penske out of Dodge, you know, they brought in the talents of uh, of Brad Keselowski and, uh, uh, of course, later on with Joey Logano bringing him on board. And so these have been the staple drivers here for the last uh, uh, several years, and that, you know it's good to see that uh, that Ford is continuing to develop other drivers, such as Zane Smith and uh, um, a few of those others as well in the lower series. I do want to mention real quick Corey Heim winning the uh, Truck Series race. He was not on my, my radar, so to speak, uh, for this race. 
Uh, but it does show is that when you get in one of those Kyle Busch uh, trucks, uh, that they're fast. And Corey Himes had a pretty successful Arca career. It'll be great to see uh, how things work out. Also, Rajah Caruth uh, made his debut in the Cups, in the truck series as well. Uh, was running in the top five, top ten all all night long uh, before uh, making a mistake on pit road that uh, cost him and uh, wound up with a top 20 finish there. But uh, um, a pool of talent, man, from, oh, from the bottom of the series well, uh, to the top. Well, yeah, definitely, definitely for sure. And um, I, I'm interested to see, and I hope that these manufacturers and teams, you know, find the success and the fitting pieces and not hopefully ruin drivers' careers. Um, but, of course, we'll have to see how everything plays out. Now, while we have a few minutes before we get our guests on here, um, Chris, want to do a stat of the day and black flag checker flag while we got a few minutes? Oh, did we lose him again? No, 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 no. Um, so, to, to give kind of a backdrop, uh, we have a record here uh, situation going on in the house where we're having to get something loaded up from a wrecker. And uh, so I'm kind of having to be in and out here, not 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 trying to uh, uh, kill the show, but unfortunately uh, we had a situation um, and had to bring out somebody to kind of help us out here. So uh, we're just trying to uh, live through it. Uh, stat of the day, man. Um, I got one. I got one. Do you great, great, Taz Taylor? Let's let's hear what that stat of the stat of the race All is. All right, we can we can call it stat of the stat of the day or we can call it stat of the season thus far because I found this uh, I believe it was yesterday um, NASCAR Cup Series incident and they compared two drivers one was in both are Chevy for combined races, qualifying practice and exhibition events. The two drivers they compare, compared was from Colleague Racing of Justin Haley and from Hendrick Motorsports, Chase Elliott. Justin Haley has, is for full-time cup drivers, has, the, has been in the least amount of incidents with four. Chase Elliott has been involved with the most incidents of 21. And Chase Elliott is your point leader. And as far as Justin Haley, um, he currently sits uh, 23rd in the point standing. So, I don't know if that is the day. Start of the day. Bop, bop. Start of the day. Start of the day. But can you believe that, Chris? Wow. I cannot. I love it how we pick up these stats, man. It's amazing. All right. Now, black flag, checker flag of the weekend. Chris, you want to kick that off? Yes, of course. My black – uh-oh. What's going on here? My black flag – I don't know. Let's start with checker flag. My checker flag, uh, once again, has to go to Denny Hamlin. Uh, 
four. Well, you know what? Never mind. That was last week. Let's go with this one. My checker flag goes to Dale Jr. for bringing on Jeremy Mayfield and us finding out the rest of the story. Uh, I have not listened to the second end of the podcast. I did listen to last week's podcast. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of things that were, you know, he said, she said. Uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, details given to the podcast. But, hey, shout out to Dale Jr., uh, checker flag for bringing Jeremy Mayfield on and, uh, you know, allowing a driver who feels like he was blackballed in the sport uh, to air his moment of grievance. Uh, that's all Doris uh, uh, Costanza ever wanted uh, was to air, air a day to air your grievance. And, uh, obviously, uh, Jeremy Mayfield got his day of Festivus. So, uh, shout out, uh, checker flag. Uh, to Dale Jr. for bringing on Jeremy Mayfield and giving us uh, the rest of the story. And I can't wait to tune in tonight after this podcast and listen to the rest of what Jeremy Mayfield has uh, to say. Um, I do want to throw in that I that uh, originally my checker flag was supposed to be Noah Gregson for buying $50 worth of merchandise from Jesse Luigi's uh, uh, <laughs> online merchandise trailer. Uh, for the move that he gave Ty Gibbs uh, there at, uh, at at Portland. Um, black flag, you know, it's tough, man. I mean, I have a lot of positive things to say this week, but uh, um, black flag would go to, I guess, the Xfinity Series uh, for having to drive out all by themselves all the way out to Portland, Oregon, uh, being that the cup cars are on their way uh, to Sonoma this weekend. It seems like you could have, you know, possibly saved a lot of money for pit crews and stuff like that had they just waited one more, NASCAR waited one more week to go run Portland and Sonoma. Uh, it, it doesn't matter if you were running two road courses, two different road courses the same weekend. I don't think I would have had a problem with that. I don't think you would have either, uh, Taz Taylor. So, you know, in a day and age where we're trying to save and cut costs, um, you know, uh, sending uh, the Xfinity drivers all the way out to Portland, Oregon, uh, by themselves, just that just did not seem too cost effective there. But uh, other than that, man, really, when it comes down to uh, something negative uh, about this past weekend, I really, I had to, I had to really pull that one out of the cap because I felt like NASCAR did it all right this weekend. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with uh, checker flag for the weekend, being for going to NASCAR for at least trying to, um, for at least trying something new, once again, and getting some sort of success out of it, for running Cup Series at Gateway. As for as for black flags. Um, I have to agree with you once. I have to agree with you there, Chris. For Portland, I mean, Xfinity is off this week, and they could have used their off week this past weekend. Uh, being that Portland is on the west coast of Sonoma, I mean, yeah, two different states, but um, for somebody like AJ Allmendinger, who was scheduled to run the College Cup car this weekend, um, ran the Xfinity race in uh, Portland and couldn't run the car for practice or qualifying at uh, at Gateway, and he had to fly in overnight to make the race on time for Sunday. Yep. 
Yep. All right. Well, it is the 8 o'clock hour. This is uh, where Taz likes to turn up the jet fuel and uh, talk a little bit about dirt racing. And he's got a special guest. Look, man, it's really crazy because uh, the weekend of, of uh, Taz's birthday, I believe the day of Taz's birthday, uh, we got a we got a message on our Race Chat Live uh, Facebook page that uh, a certain promoter announcer wanted to come on to our show, and uh, lo and behold, it was uh, the uh, Short Track Super Series. Uh, 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 Colin Bell, the announcer, therefore the Cajun region side. So we're looking forward to hearing from him tonight. He's got a driver on as well. Uh, Taz Taylor, you want to introduce some both as we get them on the air? Sure thing. We would like to welcome on to Race Chat Live here tonight from the Short Track Super Series, Ollie's Bargain Outlet, Cajun region, the series announcer, Colin Bell, and fellow driver, Kymig. Gentlemen, how are you two doing tonight? Doing good. Doing good. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much uh, once again uh, for coming on. Uh, this has been – we had Tim Bates on last year to talk about the series. Now this year we got a little bit of a uh, couple different points of view. So, Colin, how, first for you, how did you get into um, announcing? And then I'm going to throw in a second part to that question of how did um, – the gig of becoming the announcer for the short track super series Cajun region come into fruition. All right. So that's a bit of a long question or long answer, I should say, but uh, I got my announcing career started last season at Arklatech Speedway. Uh, One of our current drivers with our series, Gene Border built that race, that racetrack and he promoted it and owned it until this past year. And he gave me my first job. And then in the, off season, the ownership of the track changed, and unfortunately, at that point, I didn't know the new owner, so they went in a different direction in the announcing situation. So then I had Tim Bates reach out to me about announcing for the series. Wow, that 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 is very that I mean that's how you get to know people. Uh, fortunately, so Cody, you. Correct me if I'm wrong, you're originally from New Jersey, is that right? That is correct, yes. So you're used to these kind of modified down south. Well, I mean, down south they run more of the wings, but can you explain the difference between uh, running these style modifieds with the wings versus uh, without it? Yeah, uh, yeah, with the wing, uh, it definitely tightens the car up a lot more. you got a lot more downforce uh you got to adjust the car a little different to make it work. Um, both ways are fun, uh, but yeah, I'm having having a blast with it. I grew up on these cars, and so happy to see that they're really growing down here. Definitely for sure. And uh, for the series, and both of you guys can uh, answer this if you want to. Um, last year, you guys. Average probably about, I would say I would say about twelve, maybe the fifteen cars, depending on what track you hit. This year, seeming like you guys are growing. Could it, what could that possibly be? Would it be that 
maybe the Northeast guys from the Cajun swing might have, might have had an impact last year, or could it be that the modifieds down there are starting to become more popular, like a regular class or something? Uh, you want to go, Colin, or? Sure. Uh, so we have, uh, it's been growing slightly. Yeah, we averaged, or the series, I should say. I wasn't with them last year. I think they averaged around 12 to 14 cars a night. I remember attending one race where they had 14, and I was pretty glad that they had them uh, over at Chatham. But uh, we we get a bit of a, I would say, the guys who run different styles of cars are starting to gravitate towards our class. So we got a lot of former sprint car guys, like five or six sprint car guys, because the sprint cars have kind of faded over here in northeast Louisiana, uh, as well as wing modified guys, because those are starting to fade a little bit, unfortunately. Um, so we got a few of those guys who have now joined our series. And we're up to, by my calculations and the cars I know, 34 modified down here in Texas and Louisiana combined. So now we're just trying to find the right night to get as many at the same track as we can as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Real good. <laughs> now, um, what Cody, for, for you, you drive not only the wing, not only the modified and obviously the wing modified, you also drive a 305 sprint. Is that what I'm catching as well? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, Yes, I got a 305. Uh, the our, my partner with uh, the modified there. They were big in the sprint cars and helped get me a sprint car ride together. And uh, been racing it in the the free time between modified races just to try to keep up and get more laps in. So now, when it comes to the Cajun region, obviously it's second year. You guys are growing. What's the what's kind of been the um, is there ha- have you guys noticed any obviously improvements from last year to this year besides the car count, um, maybe the involvement, and has there been any sort of setbacks possibly from last year versus this year? I know it'll be a little maybe hard to answer for Colin, but Colin might have a different uh, viewpoint from last year though. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll go and say I, I think that this year is even better than last year. Uh, our promoters of the series, they're doing a great job, the Bates and uh, Brett Deo, and they're bringing sponsors on board, and it's really getting the publicity out there. And I think that's really helping it, it grow, and yeah, I, it's looking real good. All right. I got a question, Taz Taylor. Sure thing, Chris. All right. So, uh, so fellas, uh, in this era the environment that we're in right now with with uh dirt track racing and all fan counts have been a big issue guys tell me how how we can be kept productive with this series and helping build a fan base and bringing them back to the racetrack here in the south uh we've seen uh a few races that that seem to be pretty popular and there's not really much of a fan fall off but but a lot of the weekly shows and a lot of the uh, shows that you expect to be big shows promoters are falling on their flat on their face. Tell me what you guys can do to kind of help bring uh, going to the racetrack back popular again. Obviously y'all have had so much success in the Northeastern region. How do you transfer that success down to the South? 
You want me to take this one first, Cody? Yeah, yeah. You go. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, like I said, I worked at Arkansas State Speedway last year, and now I've just been brought on as the announcer again to conclude this season. And so I'm trying to promote as much as I can for both the series and the track. And truthfully, I feel like I'm having more success this year than last year because we've had we broke our record for car count for the short track super series Ollie's bargain outlet Cajun region at Boot Hill Speedway we had 21 cars which broke the previous record of 18 which we then matched at Sabine Speedway earlier this year so getting sponsorship money bigger races is really helping us pull in some more cars which when fans hear that we're pulling in more cars they want to come see us more often stuff like that and like you know, uh, Arklatech Speedway, my home track now, we ran this past Sunday. And typically, you don't run Sunday races. We were going to start at 4 p.m. Unfortunately, we got rained out from a storm that came completely out of nowhere. But we had 134 cars in the pit. So, you know, I, I know the economy is bad. Gas is tough on everybody. But you can still pull a good amount of cars with the right amount of promotion and, you know, Letting people know that you care that they come, I think that's a really big part of it. That's a very so, big part. Uh, yeah. Cody, you go. That's a very big part. Now, and, let uh, me ask you something. The series kind of come in during the COVID. Like, it was the, the Cajun Region Series was uh, uh, kind of brought in the year of COVID. Of course, you can't really build much of a, a book off of that being, you know, it was not a typical race season. Um, as y'all have grown and progressed over the last couple of years, do you feel like that maybe that that year stunted the growth or being that uh, people were so into watching races on TV and y'all's races were advertised and played through slow racing, did that kind of help the jumpstart of your theory? I think it probably might have helped because uh... – People weren't able to get out, but they could see that, wow, this new series is coming down here and see how good the racing is. And some people that might not have went out to that racetrack had the opportunity to watch it and uh, see that, wow, this is something that we could get into uh, down here. Yeah, uh, similar point. I think the fact that the northern guys who are essentially and realistically the best in the country – in this class come down here every year. I think that's a welcoming challenge to some of the guys that have joined our series. Cause like I said, we had guys that have come from sprint cars and you never get the world of outlaws down here. And ASCS is now finally making their return to this area for the first time in 20 years. So these guys who want the challenge of racing against the best saw that this was the easiest option, I believe, or the most available option to race against the best guys in the world, like Stuart Friesen, Ryan Godown, Matt Shepard, who are coming down here for the Cajun swing every year. Yeah. Very, so, very good answer. And, and, this, and, and there's a lot of a lot of modified drivers in, in this area. Um, y'all are a different type of modified. Uh, but when you, when you can add big blocks to something, I think that that really turns the fans on and interest. Because the one thing the fan is always crazy about, that's uh, things that are that go fast, right? And <laughs> there's no lack of speed uh, when you're dealing with a big block modified. Um, the different areas in the regions that you guys cover, it's a pretty big size map, right? When when uh, y'all y'all start on your southern swings. 
Yeah, well, we're yep. still kind of up in the air on what tracks we're going to run for this year's swing due to gas prices and all that. We haven't well, – the only race we officially have, to my knowledge, is the 20000 is going to be at Boot Hill this year. So we're going to move the uh, the finale of the swing from Chatham to Boot Hill. Uh, so I'm not sure exactly how all that will affect, you know. Uh, obviously, Boot Hill's a historic track. They just had their 50th year anniversary this past weekend. Uh, and we had a great crowd when we ran there earlier this year. Like I said, we broke our car count record. So, uh, I don't know. I'm looking for at least 40 to 50 modifies for that 20,000 to win as well as the whole swing. But, uh, yeah, I, like I said, I've, our series continues to grow because our guys want to get better and want the challenge of racing the best guys. And I'd like to give a shout out to one of our drivers. Uh, that's Corey Oltz from Lake Charles. He just went up to Pin Can and uh, Five Mile Point this past weekend, and he proved that our guys are definitely getting faster, and we're getting closer to being able to run with the big dogs from New York, New Jersey, Delaware, et cetera. Yeah, I remember uh, seeing that uh, Corey, he was visiting up north, and it was great to see that uh, he got some solid finishes out of the weekend for that long haul. Now, for the um, obviously part shortages, tire shortages, you know, all these things are happening and whatnot. Can Cody, how can you explain to us about how those shortages um, may not hurt you guys? as much being that you guys don't run these cars weekly, whereas obviously us uh, Northeast guys, we do, and we have to, you know, adapt to these changes. How has it been? Um, I know modified parts can't be that easy for down South, but um, how has been getting parts and um, any other uh, things you guys may need to run the series uh, been either easy or difficult for you guys? Yeah, uh, it's definitely a challenge to get the parts for the modifieds, all the bolt-on chassis parts. Uh, you got to order it from up north or find a reputable uh, used parts seller that will ship them down. And uh, I haven't, I, I personally haven't had any issues getting parts like that. Uh, it's kind of, it sucks. There's a delay, uh, but I believe all the retailers, I think they're pretty stocked up. I don't know of anything they're really out of. It's the uh, the motor parts, that is a big, big hurt on everyone, I think, in the country, uh, trying to get parts to build their motors and put them together. I know a couple guys, that's what's stopping them from being out on the track is uh, waiting on their motors to get built. And uh, As far as tires go, we uh, we don't run weekly or multiple times a week, so I think that helps us. We have a tire dealer down here. He's stocked up uh, and bought all that he could have, so I think we got a good uh, – supply for us as we need them i haven't i haven't had to buy tires since the swing i had extras left over i've been running so i I think uh it's a challenge but we're used to that challenge i think that's that's uh that's very great to hear it quite actually but for um our production manager um Miss Lee, she usually sits on behind the scenes and messages us during the shows, but um, she wants to know 
of the number of tracks you guys run at and what areas do you guys uh, primarily cover right now? Uh, it's really the East, East Texas, uh, West Louisiana, Northwest Louisiana uh, is the real area. We're going to hit uh, Arkansas and uh, Texarkana. It's right over the border in Arkansas. Uh, so that'll be that'll be fun. I've never been there. Looking forward to that. So it's really that corner, much from uh, Dallas to to Central Louisiana. That whole little circle uh, is where uh, all the racetracks are. I don't know off the top of my head how many different venues we got. I think Colin might know that. Yeah, I believe it's nine. Um pending a reschedule with one track that we had a cancellation with earlier this year. But we go to five different tracks in Louisiana, That's those being Boot Hill, Arklip Tech, Sabine, Chatham, and Thunder Valley. And then we have three in Texas. We already ran at Super Bowl. We'll be at Rocket next weekend. And then we'll have one at Big O, which will be our season finale. And then, like Cody just said, we're going to make our first trip ever to Arkansas to 67 Speedway. Uh, so three different states, nine tracks. Um, yeah, it's, it's good to get a little bit more variety um, in our schedule, although some drivers can't quite pull to each race. You know, the further away we get from their hometowns, the more difficult it gets for them. Now, is there certain tracks that, um, you guys may think maybe on the radar that could join the series, or um, there could be different guys beside different guys outside of uh, the Texas, um, Arkansas, Louisiana region where the series could expand and maybe get a huge hit from. Uh, yeah, I know that there's more in Texas. Texas has a ton of racetracks, and I I think that. Uh, we're showing good car counts and good shows, and I think that they're peaking interest to a lot more tracks in Texas. Yeah, that was what I was going to say. There's a few tracks that have changed ownership and are about to reopen that I think could be big hits for us, as well as, like, Central Dallas tracks. that They've shown interest in us racing there before, but I think it could be a good show, such as Kennedale. RPM just reopened right outside of Dallas. We've talked with 105. Uh, down near Houston about running there. So, and as well as I believe we've reached out to I-30 and Diamond Park up in Arkansas and some Mississippi tracks as well. So we're definitely looking to expand, but it's, we have to make sure we can pull enough cars to put, to provide a show before we fully expand. Right. I, I can understand that. I know Chris has been knocking on the door trying to get Why Not Motorsports Park for, uh, over in Mississippi to be one of those tracks. Uh, but now for um, as for the as for these cars, uh, you guys got to be running not only big block, small block, but is there anybody um, that could be running like a crate motor or whatnot? Or is it your, do you guys have like just set like maybe small block or big block uh, type package. Yeah. It's uh, open. I don't think anyone is using a crate just because it'll be down on horsepower. Uh, you certainly can, but uh, I believe everyone's on small yeah. blocks and big combos. Yeah. Just one note on that. Cause uh, 
Cody just had a baby, so he's missed our last two races. Once again, congrats on that. Uh, Danny Baglio actually did run a crate motor over at Chatham last week just to get points because he's still waiting to get his normal motor fixed. So, uh, and uh, there really wasn't that visible of a difference. Uh, he was able to still run solid and not, you know, be a hazard or anything like that uh, with the guys who are running bigger motors and faster stuff. But uh, so it is doable um, if someone has to run that. Now, is there any certain um, chassis that you guys are running? I know, I know from last year when Cody, you joined the uh, the Merns and uh, the Happy, I think it's the Happy Hour Northeast yeah. podcast with uh, a few of the other competitors uh, down there. You guys were talking about uh, the chassis guys. Now, is there any particular big-name chassis-type uh, cars you guys are primarily running, or is there more of a variety uh, this year? I know there's a, there's a couple big Nels that are flowing around. Uh, yeah, I think there's a couple of Troyers. Yeah, I think it's uh, probably about 70%, uh, maybe 60%, 70% big Nell, and then the, the, there's like one DKM. Uh, a couple TOs and a couple chores. Uh, and that's all that's about down here. So uh, it's all the big names. Uh, I think the one Hig Fab. So uh, it's starting to get some variety. But I, as of right now, uh, Big Nell is the is what most people are running. So now you guys just ran the the Dog Diller Memorial which is the biggest paying race you guys have had in series history so far. Um, what, how did that come into, uh, how did that come about? Um, what was the atmosphere like the race night? Um, I know obviously some tensions flared up during the race and whatnot, but can you, uh, well, Colin probably be the best one since, uh, I know Cody, uh, again, congrats on the new on the uh, new baby there. But, uh, Tom, could you explain what how that may have come in, come about? Um, when and what was the atmosphere like? And how did the modified guys feel uh, driving, knowing that there's an increased purse? Yeah. So um, it came about. We had announced that we were going to have a bigger race for that race earlier in the year, and. Uh, Doc Dillard was Caleb Dillard's grandpa. Uh, Caleb was our 2021 points champion and currently our points leader, and he actually won that race also. But uh, he did a lot of work to get a ton of sponsors, and then he just kept in touch with me. He had, uh, thankfully, he gave me the opportunity to design the purse, which I had a lot of fun doing. Uh, and so he just kept me updated on how much money he had received, and I just kept designing different purses based on how many we had, trying to get as much start money as we could for the guys and uh, and all that. And then, you know, race night came, and it was a Friday night in Manny. So we knew that uh, our Dallas guys, it's a five, it's a four-hour trip for them. And, uh, you know, like, I, like we said, Cody just had the baby. Um, Dale Wester was uh, – had some personal stuff to deal with. So Corey's dad, I mean, Cody's dad, Corey was the only Dallas car that actually made it. So we ended up with 18 cars 
which uh, luckily a few trickled in there at the end. It was looking more like 14, which was, would have been a bit disappointing. But uh, we ended up with 18, had a good field. Um, and, you know, uh, fan count was great, really. Um, that track, they really show up for the big races down there. Uh, they just had a 7,500 to win factory stock race this past weekend where they were packed. And, uh, um, like I said, you know, um, it was a good race. We had three or four different leaders in it. And like I said, Caleb won it, but, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a really good atmosphere. And I think it definitely helped grow the series, being able to promote that big of a race. And, uh, like I said, I designed the purse, so we designed it for a 24-car field. And so when we got uh, – we had 18, and unfortunately we had two that couldn't start the feature because one blew a motor in hot laps. That was John Lutz. And uh, Richard Holt lost a transmission in the heat race. And so we had 16 cars starting the A. So what we did was we took the extra money from the cars that didn't show, and we put it back through the purse is we wanted to reward the guys who did show. So we ended up making it $100 each per position more than advertised. Um, so, we were, you know, we just try to help out the drivers as much as we can because we support them coming to the race. And we knew we had a race this next the next weekend at Chatham. So try to, try to help the guys out as much as they can, as much as we can, I should say, um, to get them down to Chatham the next weekend. So that race ended up being, uh, I believe, 400 to start, which is double our normal purse. Wow, that I mean, that really that is that says, that says a lot there, Chris. What do you got done over there? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's just great to see something like this. I mean, you know, as a kid, well, even as a longtime fan. Uh, hearing about these cars up in the northeastern region, having Sports uh, Speedway Illustrated magazine, being able to look at what these cars look like, having them down in our area is a super exciting uh, thing for us. And, uh, you know, knowing that uh, racing needs uh, guys like the Big Block Modified Series, you know, we need we need the excitement that they can build in these types of series. They, they are the supers of super late models of modifieds. And, you know, they, down in the south, we have terrible modified rules, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I, I just mean that we don't really have uh, specific modified rules that we go by at most of our tracks. So to bring the big block modifies in, and knowing that they're on a you know a specific uh, you know motor specific uh, rule set, um, it, it does it makes it uh, a job a lot easier for the promoters, and and uh, I think that that uh, being that as popular as they already are in the northeastern region, being at the racetracks that they are going through here in the south, they're, they're top-notch racetracks that they're going to. I have a great feeling that over the next couple of years, we're going to see this series build itself into uh, a very big deal here in the southeastern region. So one question we do have, uh, now the areas you guys are looking to expand, do you guys – have a local driver base that maybe uh, you you guys can draw from, or do you have to rely on your own base of drivers that be uh, willing and able to travel? Yeah, so right now we currently have about 
five or six, maybe a few more guys in the Dallas area that run off and on with us. So running over there, most of the time we can count on those guys showing up. Um, but currently we don't have any Mississippi or Arkansas drivers. Um, we have a few South Louisiana, so if we were to venture further down south into Baton Rouge, we got two guys from Lake Charles and a few from uh, Dry Prong and further south Louisiana that we could hopefully rely on them to show. But, um, yeah, we definitely need to get a few more drivers out that way before we fully expand to those areas. And what – what, so, what are uh, Cody? You can name off like your driver sponsors, but uh, I know Colin's probably got a handful of sponsors to think for the series. Uh, you know, guys, you guys want to plug in uh, sponsor shout outs for um, helping the series yeah. go around and whatnot? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll start. Uh, I got some really good sponsors. Uh, I got BW Towing, uh, Charlie and Dale. Uh, they help sponsor out a lot they're co-owners with me uh on the car on all my race cars uh then patrick lear with the lear co restaurant management uh sonic drive-ins uh he got me my first job and he still supports me racing and helps me race even though i haven't worked there for a while now and he's a great folk and i got maxim graphics who does all my vinyl work and designs the car and keeps it looking nice uh and that's what I got. So I'm real thankful for them. And uh, Jimmy Allard Racing Engines helps uh, tremendous uh, keeping the power down. And we got uh, Mike at Fastline uh, Racing Shocks. He helps out a lot too uh, to help get the car dialed in. So we got to thank all them. All right. So for our series announcers, obviously there's the big Bob Hilbert Sportswear. They're over all of the series. And now we have our new title sponsor, Ollie's Bargain Outlet. Um, but we're also sponsored by Day Motorsports, um, Sunoco Race Fuels, Shed Road Auto Parts, American Racer. Um, trying to think of think if we got any more on there. But yeah, a lot of the a lot of the sponsors that help the drivers help the help the series out too. Um, for example. Uh, the car that Caleb Dillard drives was just bought by a new uh, set of owners, and they have just added money to our race at Rocket to increase the purse to a fifteen hundred to win. I believe it's three fifty to start race, courtesy of Main Construction. So stuff like that. Um, like I said, the Doc Dillard race, Caleb had like twenty five sponsors, and most of those sponsors also sponsored cars in our series. So uh, it's a tight-knit group right now, and uh, we're glad to see Ollie's come on and hopefully get us a bit more exposure. Now, is there any certain oh, sure. tracks on the schedule that um, for this year or maybe even last year you guys either raced at or haven't raced at that uh, you really circled on the calendar? as to you really, you're looking forward to being at that certain track for for a race or for the season? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I've really uh, come to enjoy Boot Hill, so that was one I was really looking forward to, especially now that the swing is taking place there a couple nights, I believe. 
So, and then Arclitech was always fun. I'm uh, looking forward to that. And it's been a while since I've been up to Rocket Raceway, and that's always a real nice top-notch facility. I'm looking forward to getting there in two weeks. So, that's my yeah. my pick. Similar to what Cody said, like I said, uh, I've mentioned before, we're going to Rocket next weekend. This will be our first time the series has ever been there. But I personally have announced two nights there this this season. I was actually there this past Saturday, and that facility is fantastic. Uh, Kevin Rogers and Kevin Sister put on a great show. We had seven classes done by 1043. They run a really quick show. Track was great, three wide all over the place. So I'm really looking forward to having our guys there. I think we're going to put on a great show. Um, it's also a good location to draw some of our Dallas guys. Um, now, one track that I've obviously have on circled on mine uh, would be my home track of Arcletex. And there's a few reasons for that. Obviously, it's closer to me, uh, so that helps. But um, I really think that that's going to be the, our best chance to get the highest amount of cars that we can because it's, uh, it's in Vivian, Louisiana, so about 30 minutes north of Shreveport. And I would say at least 40 to 50% of our drivers are from the general Shreveport area. Um, so, as I said previously, we have about 34 total around here. And I think we have a really good shot of pulling about 25 to 27 over there at Arcletex. We're over on one night, actually be the fan appreciation night, um, because I thought fans would like to see a different kind of car up close on the track for that night. And then we'll have a week between, and we'll come back again to Arcletex. Race was going to be at the Rev. Unfortunately, they got shut down. So now we've moved it to Arcletex. We'll have two dates there this year. Awesome to hear. I, right. Good thing you mentioned that because I wasn't sure of the with the Rev, and obviously you mentioned Boot Hill is the twenty k to ra- or twenty thousand to win race for the Cajun Swing, and that was originally the Rev. Um, the Rev was supposed to host that event, and now Boot Hill's got it. Um, so. Uh, that's good to know for the fans who were trying to figure out what was going on with the the regular season race with the Rev and the storylines from yeah. that track. And good to see Arglatex get a second date out of that because Arglatex is a very racy track. And uh, from what I have uh, watched, obviously I haven't been down south being a New York guy. So, <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. Um, the the story with the Rev is really disappointing because Dylan Scott and Nick Brown really worked their butts off to make that a great facility. And it's one of the nicest facilities in all of the South. I've heard it compared to Lucas Oil Speedway, which I've never been to, but the Red was definitely the nicest dirt track I've ever been to. Rocket would be the second at this point. Uh, But unfortunately, the owner of the track didn't want to let them keep leasing it and run it as a dirt track. So he forced them out, forced them to take the dirt off. So, uh, yeah, it sucks that we lost that place. Um, but again, I'm really happy to get it. Regardless of it being Arcletex or not, I'm glad we got a, that race back at a different speedway. Well, we've got to get you guys over here to one of these Mississippi racetracks. Uh, uh, I want to be able to have you guys close to home here. Uh, we're looking forward to following you guys for the rest of the race season. And uh, I believe all of your races will be televised on Flow Racing, right? Actually, I believe the Cajun Swing is all televised, but we have a more local streaming platform called Race on Texas, 
and they stream at most of the tracks we go to, but a few of them they don't. And so far this season, it turns out that we put on the best shows at the ones that don't. Um, kind of going back to a previous question from a while ago, the first race of the year at Super Bowl, we only pulled 14 cars because it was up in the air whether we were going to be able to race or not, and guys were still waiting on parts. But that place was completely packed with fans, and the fans went nuts because Cody's dad, Corey, was in third on the last lap, and he passed two cars in the last turn to win it, and the place went absolutely nuts. And they they got tons of requests for us to come back. I'm not sure if we'll be able to make that happen or not. But, uh, yeah, it's it was a lot of fun over there. Um, real tight track, really racy. But um, And then Boot Hill was televised. Manny was televised. And uh, Chatham was not. So, um, Rocket will be. Arkle, Texas, kind of up in the air. Sometimes they're streamed, sometimes they're not. Um, 67 is streamed, Boot Hill, Manny, again. So uh, I think the few, we'll have a few races throughout the year that probably won't be for the remainder of the season. Those would mainly be Thunder Valley and Chatham, I believe, and then potentially Oracle Tech. Awesome, awesome. And we're still Wait, expecting uh, – I'm kind of late to the to the party here. We had some things going on, and, I, and it's unfortunate because I, I missed a lot of this good interview here. Uh, but uh, the guys like Stuart Friesen, Derek McGrew, uh, Rob Warner, uh, Matt Shepard, those guys are going to be coming down for the Southern Swing as well, right? They they came down all the years before, and I would I sure hope they come down again. I like the competition, so I think they have yeah. the circle on there. As long as they got part uh, of they'll be down. That that's what yeah, I believe, guys, had, uh... is going to really help sell your series is having these guys that are willing to travel all the way from the northeastern region down to here and race these guys. Because, look, we can put together Shane Haber and a few of these other guys that are really good. But if you want to really make this thing take off, then, then our guys have got to race the guys that, that kind of created this series and made the series what it is. And you're going to have a lot of modified and super late model drivers who want the, uh, the chance to be able to race one of these guys. And that's going to that's gonna be good for your series. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah, we have a few guys who have backup cars at this point that they're using mostly for parts, but they have the potential of throwing some of the best drivers around here in. I know uh, Gene Border actually owns a second car, and he was trying to get one of the best USRA modified drivers in the country to race at Manny. Unfortunately, he couldn't pull it off. I don't think he was able to get the car ready in time. But uh, I heard from Brett Deo at Super Bowl. He came down for our first race of the year. He told me that Billy Pouch Jr. and Mike Maresca were looking at coming down as well this year. So, wow. Uh, the swing is definitely growing. Um, wow. And like I said, <laughs> we, we could have some, some big shots from down here racing against them. That's amazing. Amazing. Matt, you, guys, uh, have, you guys have John Luke Matt, from uh, up here in New York racing down with you guys. I think was the Joe Boswell machine. Am I right? Yes, sir. Unfortunately, John's had really bad luck every time he's come down here. Um, he has yet to turn a competitive lap. As, uh, ends up having problems with the car every time. So hopefully we can get that right at Rocket and we can get to see what he can actually do. Awesome. Well, I tell you what, to see these guys come to life, knowing I've watched them for a few years already before they, the Cajun region had even started, 
being able to see some of these guys that I've dreamed about being able to watch race come come close to home. I tell you what, it doesn't matter if gas fuel prices are five six dollars a gallon. Uh, we've got to get out and, uh, and go to one of these races uh, that y'all are going to be at, and we're going to bring the posse when we show up as well. <laughs> Looking forward to that. So, where right. can uh, people find you on social media wise? And um, Cody, Cody, and Colin, where can they find you, and where can they find the series? Yeah, uh, I'm on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, you can find me there. Uh, I'm real big on posts on Facebook. I want to keep everyone involved, see what's going on, and uh, that's what I'm I'm big on. Yeah, so I have obviously my personal Facebook page, uh, but I also have an announcer page. It's Colin Bell Dash Dirt Track Announcer, um, and I try to do my best to promote our drivers as much as I can. Um, it's a lot easier to come up with ideas to post the guys who are in lower numbers. I can do how many days until race day. Um, but we got some guys who have a bit higher numbers, and you know it's never going to be 74 days until race day, unfortunately, for, uh, for Roger Harrison. But uh, so I try to find what I can. And then typically the, the day before race day, I'll post a giant gallery of all the cars that are expected to come. Uh, I'm currently working on a, kind of a pre-entry list for Rocket, uh, which we are currently, is that 12 days away from? No, that's not right. 11 days. Uh, and so, um, yeah, we don't have a number 11 car, so I haven't posted one of those today. But um, once we hit 9, 8, 7, we, we have a lot of those numbers. But um, we currently have – I've heard from 17 drivers right now that are planned to be at Rocket. And uh, like I said, I was there this past weekend talking with their promoter, and he really wants to break the record over there. I'm not even sure if he's ever seen a big block modified race, but he knows who we are. He's excited about the way we're growing, and uh, he really wants to break the record at Rocket. So um, from that current list, we're only five away. That, All right. Well, awesome. hopefully we'll we'll break that's, that record, including awesome. uh, even more. Go ahead, Seth. That's awesome that uh, a track that that has a uh, that has somebody that's probably never seen a big block modifier race want to break you guys' record. I mean, Exciting. and your record was what twenty twenty one? Yes, sir. Yeah, current record is twenty one. Wow! So you gotta get five more cars to get in there. So uh, any of you, any of you Southern. Uh, Southern States uh, modified drivers want to place the race. Come up, go out to Rocky Raceway Park and uh, get those modifieds out there. Yeah, and again, thanks to Main Construction for adding money to that race. That should, that'll hopefully get it, e- make it easier for us to pull a few more cars. Because oh, yeah. uh, Rocket's a good three hours from the General Shreveport area, where most of our drivers are from, and about six probably from our Lake Charles guys. We got two or three that travel from down there. So it's it's nice to be able to give out some good enough or strong strong purses to reward these guys for running with us, and obviously we have our points contingencies at the end of the year. So uh, yeah, we got a good points battle going right now. Caleb Dillard is leading, um, I believe, twenty five points over uh, Tommy Rasco right now, who won our last race. So 
All right. Uh, so any chance we've had, uh, we've had three different winners in four races in, in, in one of these in one of these big block modifieds. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on you there. I, I, I've heard the You're name good. Dillard, and, and of course, I think about Cade and uh, and his bunch. Is there any chance that uh, we'll maybe see him soon in one of these big big block modifieds? I'm not sure. I joked with Cade because uh, my brother announces weekly at Sabine Speedway which is where we held that race. I went down a few weeks before with my brother to watch, and I was joking with Kate and Caleb, their brothers, in case you didn't know, um, and I was telling them they both needed to race every single class that night. And Kate said he was down for it. Caleb was a little bit hesitant, but uh, Kate's definitely not scared to jump in one if uh, they have another car that uh, is able to compete against those guys. I, I definitely would like to see that. Especially for the swing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I can't wait to see. I, I've been wondering if we would uh, see him pop in one, you know, just by surprise. So uh, I kind of keep my fingers crossed. He's one of our favorite racers down this way. And uh, just the Dillard family, everything they've done for modified racing and all, it just seems like a perfect fit uh, to get Cade racing his brother there in the series. Uh, um, and uh, that would be, I think, really awesome for the fans down here that really stand behind. Uh, Kate Dillard and their whole racing family. But uh, it's been great having you guys on. Of course, we have some other podcasts as well. Uh, we'd like to invite you on uh, maybe later on in the season and bring you back to this one as well. Um, guys, y'all were great, and uh, we look forward to uh, keeping up with y'all throughout the season regardless. And uh, do, you have, uh, do you have anything uh, there for them, Taz, before we uh, move on? Uh, I just want to say thank you, Colin, for reaching out to the, the Facebook page for getting on the show and thank you Cody for jumping on with him. It was great uh, having somebody from the series come on for another year with us. Like I said, last year we had Tim Bates join us and this year we got uh, you two coming along and good to hear um, a Northeast guy bringing uh, some modified flair down south. So, uh, I really hope you guys continue to grow. I've been trying to keep up to date as much as possible, um, being a fan from New York uh, and uh, trying to keep up to date and also watch the races whenever they're broadcasted. So uh, hopefully uh, things continue to work out well in you guys' favor. And uh, thank you guys again for coming on tonight. It was Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. You're only helping us grow this series more with publicity and uh, all of that. So thank you for helping us promote what we're trying to do down here and help the growth of our series. All right. Thank thank you, guys. uh, You guys are welcome back uh, anytime this year as long as we got the availability and – Oh, hopefully we'll try to get some, maybe you guys back on for maybe uh, before or after the Cajun swing, as long as we're, we're still broadcasting yeah. live on a weekly basis. Yeah, I, we want the winner for the $20,000 to win. Let's go ahead and just tell them, Taz. We want to interview the winner of the $20,000 event, right? We want to bring you guys back on. That's the one that we want you to, to be able to, to, to bring on and have. Us. Can, can we get that done? Is, is that a done deal? Yeah, can, yeah well, we, we might, try we that, might already especially have especially if it's Matt Shepard there. <laughs> we might we might already have him. It may be Cody. Cody yeah, had a really strong run at Blue Hill a few weeks ago. So. 
<laughs> so, yeah, we'll see what we can do about that. All right. Sounds good, man. Sounds good. We look forward to having you. All right. Thank, Thank you, guys. You. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, Chad Taylor. Great interview, man. I mean, just you just pulled it out there, boss man. I love it, Taz. Thank you very much. Uh, sorry that things were uh, a little bit choppy on my end there for a little bit. Uh, we had uh, a situation going on here at the residence, and uh, we had to get that taken care of. It's just it seems like anything and everything always happens on Tuesday night. It just never fails. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. But with, but when you're busy six nights a week, it's kind of it's kind of the same story, you know. It's always it's never the right time to have something happen. So, uh, but um, yeah, great interview, and glad to have these guys on and a part of the show. And we look forward to giving them even a better shot next time uh, when uh, when we can have all three of us on the air. And uh, so we we're down to I believe fan questions and possibly picks, but I don't think we yeah, got anybody's picks. <laughs> yeah, we got we got a uh, fan question and picks to wrap up the last about ten minutes of our show, and I believe the picks are only trucks and cups this week at Sonoma. Trucks are racing at Sonoma. Wow, I I, I think that that only started here recently. I'm, I'm not familiar with trucks racing at Sonoma. Um, I don't even know who the past winner could be. Uh, is this our first year of the trucks racing at Sonoma? I mean, I just those two don't. It just doesn't sound right together, so I'm just not sure. We'll go to the fan question if we we get that looked up. Hey, Chris, it's been a long week, and it's only Tuesday. I've been thinking a lot about cheating. No, not the kind of relationships. That's lower than low. But every sport has folks that will bend the rules to get an advantage. I've read about Gordon's T-Rex car from the late 90s, fuel additives, carb spacers, and the list goes on. How easy is it for crews to get away with slipping under the wire and not get caught? Have champions cheated their way to the checker flag? Curious on your thoughts. Well, Miss Rebecca, thank you very much for submitting that fan question this week, and we look forward to answering that to the best of our ability. Um, I've seen pictures like uh, that go back with uh, uh, Dale Earnhardt, who uh, basically was keeping his foot up underneath the front end of the nose of his Lumina uh, <laughs> as the check officials were looking around the rear of the race car. Now, I'm not, we don't know what he was doing there. Uh, a perfect example, Richard Petty, uh, the motor, I believe, um, that he won his final uh, race at might have been a cheated up motor. Uh, we are just now kind of finding out things from the Robert Yates, uh, Doug Yates interview on the Dale Jr. podcast. Uh, Dale Jr. admitted that, hey, he might have had a special motor for the July race where he won after the death of his father. Yes. It is not easy. That is why these guys make the big bucks, Mr. Rebecca. Um, there's always a gray area in the rule book, and it's not cheating until you get caught. Uh, Michael Waltrip, one of those guys that uh, tried to use a jet fuel uh, to make his car faster at the Daytona 500, uh, he got caught, tough penalty. Carl Long, a former guest on our show, he uh, got caught with a uh, cubic inch motor that was larger than what uh, he was supposed to have. A $100,000 fine was given to Carl Long, uh, which basically ended his uh, cup career uh, and uh, only recently was able to come back into racing after a 10-year hiatus at the cup level because of that suspension. Uh, These race teams try to do as much as they can to get away with what they can. 
this new car is supposed to stop a lot of that um, because there's not very many parts that they can work on. But we've already seen that at the beginning of this year, uh, guys going and uh, doing things that are uh, uh, maybe not you're not supposed to do. Uh, the Brad Keselowski incident, uh, I believe Kez, Kez, Roush, uh, Fenway Keselowski Racing, uh, first it was the tire incident where they were drilling holes into the uh, rims, and then I believe uh, the next time that they were fined, it was something that had to do with uh, maybe um, some Bondo that was used in a place or something on the car that it was not supposed to be used at. But uh, these these engineers, and then we call them engineers because they are highly educated, they will find any way that they can uh, to, uh, to, you know, uh, stay in the gray area of the rule book. Uh, there's a guy that well-known throughout NASCAR's history, Smokey Unix. Uh, he went as far one time to make a smaller-scale car of the actual showroom car. So he built a, a replica, basically, of a car and raced it, and, uh, and that was found out later on uh, that it was a smaller-scale car. It, wasn't, it was not on the proper chassis that it was supposed to be. Also, Smokey Unix uh, was known for running about a 200-foot-long uh, a gas line, and they couldn't figure out why why his car didn't have to stop in in the pits. But Smokey said later on, "Look, there was no rule that there was a rule that said how how much uh, how big the gas tank could be, but it didn't say how long the fuel line had to be." So uh, definitely, uh, Taz, do you, do you have uh, anything that you want to add to that? No, Chris, I think you've kind of covered on that because I mean it's a little, I mean with how high tech NASCAR is nowadays, it's kind of a little hard to, to do something, uh, slip, slip something in there to kind of cheat your way through uh, nowadays because of, uh, obviously they go through the, they go through uh, many inspections and through their uh, high tech equipment scanners or whatnot that scan the cars and will basically nab for any little tiny thing that you could be adjusting that you're not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, and uh, so, you know, it's just a matter of time uh, before the next cheaters get caught. Look, it, it's been one thing about racing, and especially NASCAR racing, uh, stock car racing. If you're not cheating, you ain't trying. I mean, that's that's something uh, that's been well known um, and, and, and guaranteed, even with this new car, uh, that uh, there will be um, things done. It's interesting that Miss Rebecca mentioned the T-Rex car because that car – was well before its time. That car uh, was, uh, you know, it, it 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 itself changed how how engineers worked on a race car. Back in the '90s, there wasn't as many people that worked on a race car as they as there are uh, today. There wasn't as many people in the shops. Um, but uh, T Rex kind of changed the game, and and really kind of was the co-creator of where the car is today and why it is the way that it is, and why we have the uh, this uh, the, this generation of car so that we can cut back on some of that uh, uh, um, w- w- engineering and 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 that because anytime you have that going on it, it creates more cost as that's that's for sure yeah All definitely right. and so I think that will wrap up our fan question and go into our picks there Chris. Yeah, and I'm still chugging along way back here in the back. Uh, I've got to pull one off this weekend. I, I don't think, uh, you know, uh, 
I, I hey, don't have the. Yeah, and I'm coming off a win. Like, I got A.J. Allmendinger. I can take a couple of us, pick to A.J. Allmendinger. Eight wins. That was going to be my stat of the day uh, was the eight wins uh, in the Xfinity Series. Eight road course wins by uh, A.J. Allmendinger. But um, so, uh, you know, it's it's a truck race. I'm not sure. Is it, Do you have a, a list? Is there going to be any? Okay, we don't, we can't pick cup ringers anyway. Um, I, you know, I'm going to have to go with John Hunter Nemechek, I guess. Uh, he's shown success before at road courses. He's got the best of equipment. Um, it's a stacked field. I believe the truck series guys are getting better and better uh, every week. Uh, but uh, I'm going to go with John Hunter Nemechek on the cup side. Uh, you know, Chase Elliott, I believe A.J. Allmendinger. Is A.J. Allmendinger in the cup race? Because uh, if he is, he's going to be one to share. We couldn't up, pick uh, him anyways. No, I'm talking about in the Cup Series. Oh, I don't know if he's racing in the – but I know we can't pick him being that he's a full-time Xfinity driver. Um, uh, so we can't pick him because he's a full-time Xfinity. All right, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so let's go with, uh, you know, let's go with Chase, man, Chase Elliott. Kyle Larson or Chase Elliott, it's going to come out of camp. I'm going to go with Chase Elliott. Yep. Yep. Going, John Hunter needs to Chase Elliott. You're going chase the face. Unfortunately, well, as it is, I've got to get some. I got to get some wins here, buddy. Let's see. For the truck side, um, there's some notable ones in here. Um, I'm trying to look at this quick. Nema check, obviously. I'm looking at. This right now, Seth Carson Hosevar is supposed to be in the 42 this week. So I guess maybe something worked out with his injury from the crash. Uh, Todd Bodine making a start this this week. Uh, Parker Kligerman, uh, I mean that guy put that 75 truck in places that truck probably has never seen before. Uh, gosh. You got Ben Rhodes, who's won on a road course before. Daytona road course last year, I do believe. Uh, I'm going to go swinging for the fences, and this should be no surprises for my pick. I'm going to go Zane Smith again. That's a good pick. Um, As for my cup pick, oh, boy, quickly off the bat. Oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a long shot. I'm going Martin Truex. Wow, he's got success. Hey, you know he's had success before. Exactly. So that's so I'm I'm hoping that Truex gets a gets his first win of the season right here at Snowball. So that goes to Mr. CJ with his picks. He goes John Hunter Nemechek for the truck series. And he picks Austin Sindrick for the cup side. Uh, for Miss Lee, she's a next. She picks Ben Rhodes on the trucks. And no surprise, she picks Kyle Larson on the cup side. 
And Craig will get his picks some point during the week as well. And uh, hopefully he gets better soon from uh, being sick and whatnot. So uh, I guess that leaves us to wrapping up the show there, Chris. Yeah, man, it's been a hell of a show. And like I said, it's probably not been our best show here tonight. That's just unfortunate, man. And so many times we run into problems on Tuesday night and stuff. And, I mean, I just feel bad. I feel like I let you down. Um, and uh, we've got to, I've got to get uh, a string of some good Tuesdays put together so that uh, uh, we can get this show back on track and all and be a little bit more organized and kind of bounce around on topics tonight. And we just we just wasn't uh, one of our better shows. Of course, we only found out maybe you know 45 minutes uh, before the show that our partner was not going to be here. So that kind of put things in, in, in a little bit of chaos as well. But it had nothing to do with uh, my, my situation and and uh, anytime you got a wrecker in your front yard, you know, it's a, it's never a good situation. So uh, I'm just glad that that uh, was uh, handled. I wish it kind of could have gotten handled a little bit quicker, but we won't dwell on that fact. Uh, we'll just move on from it and try to make our next show uh, even better. And we hope uh, that Craig gets uh, gets to feeling better and he'll be back with us again next week uh, as we uh, push on. It's a long season, you know, just like race car drivers, Cass Taylor. Uh, sometimes, you know, when you race, when you have 40 episodes a year, some of them are just not going to be the best episodes, right? And some of them are just not going to be uh, as good as the others. And just, uh, we, we, we pick up where we left off and we, we try to strive in the next show to make it just, uh, back, uh, just as good as what it normally is. So, uh, um, we'll get Craig's picks and we'll have those posted here later on. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's, uh, that'll wrap it up for me, buddy. All right, so I want to thank uh, Colin Bell and uh, Cody Kiming for coming on to the show earlier, getting that interview for the Short Track Super Series Cajun Region, uh, sponsored by Bob, Bob Hilbert Sportswear and Ollie's Bargain Outlet. Uh, thank you for listening to Tuesday Night Race Chat live here on Block Talk Radio. You can always catch the show's uh Playbacks on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, RSS Feed, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, GeoSaving, Podcast Addict, Deezer, Podchaser, YouTube, uh, Podpage.com, and of course, right here on Blog Talk Radio. Thank you to our sponsors for the 110 Nation Radio Network, Phoenix Fitness, Bear Bullish Marketing Group, and Carolina Sports Plus. Uh, we want to say thank you for listening along tonight. Here on Race Chat Live with the caution flag of racing radio, Chris Creighton, our DJ music man, Craig Moore. Hopefully he'll be back next week. I'm the Tasmanian double flaggers, Taz Taylor, saying good night, folks. We'll see you all same bat time, same bat place here on Race Chat Live. See you next week. Never meaning no harm Beats all you never saw Been in trouble with the law Since the day they was born Straightening the curve Planting the hills Someday the mountain might get them But the law never will Making their way That's just a little bit more than the normal life. 
wouldn't change if they could Fighting the system like a two modern day Robin Hood Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.